Church family, you can grab a seat, and I want to welcome you as well to Big Valley Grace Community Church, that together we would, we would make it a priority to come and to turn our attention to the worship of Jesus Christ together, to engage in the fellowship that we might be an encouragement to one another and build each other up in our faith, to bring gifts and offerings and worship to Jesus Christ, that we would open up the scriptures together and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God would do a transformational work in each of our lives. It is good to be the church. It's good to be a part of the body of Christ together as a local family. I welcome everyone who is in our on-campus video venue as well. I'm glad that you are here today. For those of you who are watching online, we're glad that you're with us as well. And for those of you who are online, I would encourage you right now to get up and go and grab a piece of bread and get some juice so that you might be able to enter in and engage with us as we celebrate and remember Jesus in communion at the end of our time together today. At the beginning of 2018, we began a prayer emphasis for the men of our church family, and we enjoyed, enjoyed that together for a few months. And it was exciting to see how a focused prayer effort produced spiritual fruit among the lives of the men of our church family. Men came to faith in Jesus Christ. Men committed themselves to godly living. Men pursued faithful service unto Jesus Christ. And God answered many pray prayers that were prayed specifically for certain men that they might surrender, submit, and commit to following Jesus Christ fully with their lives. And last weekend, we began a new prayer emphasis for the women of our church family, in which we will enjoy together for the next few months. And I am just as excited to see what God will accomplish in the lives of the women of our church family as we seek him in prayer. And today I want to introduce to you Adelina Tuning, who will lead us today in our Women of God prayer time. So please welcome with me Adelina at this time. In this moment, we come united as a church, lifting our women in prayer. This moment is not taken lightly because as women of prayer, we know we can only seek things through him. I want to go outside of society, and I want us to have an intimate moment praying over the women of our church today. As prayer warriors, he's asking us to go outside of the walls. He's asking us to go seek outside of the church. And today I pray that we become women of prayer, just doing simple things as praying over these women. And Lord, I just, I'm so excited about this. And I just wanna, I wanna tell you just how amazing God is in just the way, the miraculous ways he's worked. And I know a lot of you women out there have seen that for yourselves. You've seen the healing, you've seen the love, you've seen the support, you've seen the comfort and you've seen the miraculous way he's transformed your own life. And so I would love to encourage this time, as this weekend we will continue to seek the Lord in prayer on behalf of all the women of our church family. Through all stages and ages of life that the women in our church family might be prayer warriors, warriors and women of God. Our prayer focus for this week comes from the book of Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, where Paul writes, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you, women, may know him better. Today, we wanna to focus our prayer on those words, know him better. This passage helps us understand ways we can pray for women of our church family. We want women of our church family to come to Christ, to know him as their Lord and Savior. We want every woman in the church family to read and study and memorize the word of God, have that thirst for him. We want every woman in our church family to have ongoing dialogue of relationship through prayer. And we want every woman in our church family to live empowered by the Holy Spirit to use the giftedness that he gives us. We want every woman in our church family to know and grow and to continually grow with him every single day. So at this moment, I would like to invite all the women of our church to stand as we pray over you. Lord, I just, I am so thankful for just how you've blessed the lives of these women. Lord, I pray that in this moment that they are just pulling closer to you. They're seeing that they need that thirst. They need you in front of them. We can't do this life without you, Lord. And so I ask that you draw those near you. I pray over these women that they go outside of these walls, get delivering your truth, your word. Because Lord, it's your truth that gives us life. It gives us hope, it gives us encouragement, it gives us all that we need. So Lord, I lift these women up to you. May they go out and know you better. And Lord, we pray this in your name, amen. Gals, you can grab a seat. And let's appreciate Adelina. I have so appreciated Adelina's strong commitment to the Word of God, to following Jesus Christ, to building a large team of committed disciple makers to pour into the lives of the young ones in our church family. And Adelina, you're a godly woman. And I'm grateful to serve alongside you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanna encourage you to pull out the program and as we pull out the program for today, it reminds me of Adelina and what her team is accomplishing together coming soon here. On the back of the program is our Kids Campus Extreme. And this is an effort to welcome the children of our community into our campus that our campus is transformed to really share the gospel of Jesus Christ to children, that they might receive the gospel in a way that they understand and make sense to them as a young person. And I am challenging you, would you be a man? Would you be a woman who will disciple a young person during Kids Campus Extreme? May God use you to be one of the men or women who will pour into the lives of a young person during this special outreach to children. May God use you that you might be the mouthpiece to share the truth of the word of God, that you might be able to share with a child how they might place their faith in Jesus Christ, that you would be the team to reach out to these children. And I would encourage you this weekend to sign up 
Sign up to be one of the men, the women, who will disciple children during that week. You can do that at bigvalleygrace.org slash kidscampus. And as you sign up, I would encourage you to do it quickly. And that way that the team can reach out to you and help you be prepared for this moment. It will be a fantastic outreach to children. And you will be so glad that you made the decision to be on the team, to share the message of Jesus with the children of our community. As you continue uh, to see what's in your program, there are some note sheets for you there as well. And these will be helpful to you as we walk through our time together in the scriptures, looking at the word of God. And as we turn our attention to the scriptures together, let's assess where we have been together during the month of June. We have been in a four-week series entitled Under the Sun, examining some key themes from the Bible book of Ecclesiastes. And if you'd like to get caught up on the first three weeks, I'd encourage you to download the Big Valley Grace app or go to bigvalleygrace.org. You can watch all the messages there for free online. Take advantage of this type of resource that you might encourage your own personal study of the Word of God. In addition to the weekend gatherings being themed around the scriptures found in the book of Ecclesiastes, this past Wednesday night we enjoyed the dwelling place, which is our all-church prayer gathering. We spent the evening together outside, literally under the sun, and praying through the themes found in Ecclesiastes, and the weather was so beautiful. And as the sun set on us, it was an encouraging time for us to encourage the building of our faith together as a church family through prayer. And I would encourage you to mark down on your calendars the last Wednesday of the month. Our next dwelling place is on July 25th, and we'll be spending an evening together praying for those in our lives who do not yet know Jesus Christ, and, and specifically for us as a church to reach people for Jesus Christ and our Friendship Weekend effort that's coming soon at the end of August. We'll focus our prayers in that way. Take advantage of the corporate times of prayer that we celebrate together as a church family. Please take your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 14 together. And if you need a copy of the Word of God for yourself, we would love to give you one today. Immediately after today's gathering, go to the altar room. And upon arriving, just ask one of the spiritual leaders that you meet there if you might have a free copy of the Word of God for yourself. It'll be their privilege to put one in your hands and to pray for you as you begin on your own to begin to read the scriptures for yourself that you might find the message that God has for you each and every day through his holy word. It would be a great day today if we can help you get into the word of God for yourself. Today we will close our series on Ecclesiastes with a conclusion in various forms. It will be the conclusion of our series. Next weekend we will turn our attention back to the Gospel of John. The conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, we'll be looking at the end of Ecclesiastes in the final words there in chapter 12. And most importantly today we will observe the conclusion that Solomon comes to when he utilizes his God-given wisdom to evaluate all that he observes in the material world, which he titles it, Under the Sun. And we will study together today is the conclusion of Solomon's wisdom. So as you have your Bible open, please follow along with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered and searched out and arranged many proverbs. 
The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads. Masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless. An excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. The passage we observe today begins with a very simple statement. In addition to being a wise man. In other words, even though Solomon was a wise man, he also dot, dot, dot. And for our purposes today, being that we're going to look at the conclusion of wisdom that Solomon comes to, I want to make sure we address the subject of wisdom and how Solomon gained his wisdom so that when we observe the conclusion of wisdom that Solomon came to, we have the context for his conclusion. So to begin to build that context, we must ask the question, what is wisdom? And as a definition, I submit to you that wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. All truth is God's truth. So if the information is going to be true, it is going to be God's. And having the truth as information in the form of possessing it as knowledge is not enough. It must be applied to a life. And when the truth is applied to a life, it must be applied correctly or accurately. Thus, when God's truth is rightly applied to life, the person who rightly applies God's truth to life is called wise and thus is understood to possess wisdom. If any of the pieces of this definition break down, there will not be wisdom. If information is used that is not God's truth, there will not be wisdom. If God's truth is not applied to life, there will not be wisdom. If God's truth is incorrectly applied, there will not be wisdom. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. So where do we begin to gain wisdom? Well, God uses James the younger half-brother of Jesus, to tell us where to begin in our search of how to gain wisdom. Then James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, James communicates this. But if any of you lack wisdom, and you do, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. If you lack wisdom, then you need to gain it from God. 
God graciously distributes wisdom without reproach, which means that God does not hold it against you, that you have approached him to ask him for wisdom. And when you ask God for wisdom, you must ask for it in faith, believing that God is God, he's creator and Lord of all, and he is creator and Lord over your life. Ask and believe that God is the only one who can give you wisdom because God is the only one who has God's truth. Then, in addition, when you ask him, you must believe that he will then give that wisdom to you. Now, James also gives a warning. Warning. Lack of faith will result in lack of wisdom. Wisdom is God's truth, rightly applied. Do you believe this? Do you have faith that this is true? Solomon knew he needed wisdom, and Solomon knew that God was the one he should approach to ask for wisdom. Solomon had faith that God would give him the wisdom that he needed. And the account of this is in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. And it is recorded that, that Solomon loved God, that he was walking in the way that his father David had challenged him to walk, which was to follow the Lord. Yet he wasn't perfect. He had lingering sin that followed him in his life. However, in his worship of the true and living God, God met with Solomon in a dream. And here is what happened. And this is the historical account of when God met with Solomon. In 1 Kings 3, verse 5, it says, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give to you. Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you, and you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Solomon's referring to himself. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. Solomon was very young when he began his reign as king. He says, I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted, which is a reference to the promise that God had given that the nation of Israel would be more numerous than the sand of the sea. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. And then listen to what Solomon says about judgment. And we're going to come back to this at the end. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself for a long life, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. 
If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. What a fascinating encounter that God directly has with Solomon. I'm sure James, he would have had Solomon in mind when he wrote down how a person could approach God and ask him for wisdom. God, or Solomon clearly asked God for wisdom here. Solomon clearly believed that God was God, and Solomon clearly believed that God would give him the wisdom he was requesting because Solomon was able to look at the family history of how God had so richly blessed his father, King David, as his father turned his heart towards God in faithful obedience. Wisdom is God's truth, rightly applied. And Solomon asked God, to give him wisdom and understanding so that he might rightly apply it to his life, which in his circumstance was being the king of the nation of Israel. And Solomon knew that God had the truth that he needed. And Solomon knew that he needed God's truth to be applied to the circumstances of his life. Solomon knew he needed God to give him wisdom. Now, as we go back to our text today in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse Nine, it goes on to say, in addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. So this verse shares with us that Solomon, who is referenced here as the preacher, shared God's truth to the people that he governed. God had given Solomon something very good in the form of wisdom, understanding how to rightly apply God's truth to life. And when a person has something very good given to them by God, it is always for the purpose of being a blessing to others. In one of his many thousands of Proverbs, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs chapter three, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. God had given Solomon so much good and Solomon knew that when a person possesses good and there are people around who deserve to be a recipient of that good blessing, then it should not be withheld from them. God blessed Solomon with wisdom and Solomon gave the wisdom of God to others as a blessing. God blesses each of us. God has richly blessed each of you, and he has blessed you so that you may be a blessing to those who are around you. And this reminds me of how when God approaches Abram, his name was not Abraham yet, And God shares with Abram, who becomes Abraham, the plans that God had for his life. And the historical account of this is in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation." I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. From the blessed lineage of Abraham came the person of Jesus Christ. 
And through Jesus Christ, all the families of the earth have certainly received opportunity to receive the blessing of God into their lives. The blessing of God on Abraham's life has truly impacted all of the families of earth with a great blessing. God blesses a person so that they can be a blessing. Back in our text in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 9, we continue on. In addition to being a wise man, it goes on to say that he pondered and he searched out and he arranged many Proverbs. Simply put, Solomon engaged his wisdom to think through, discover, and gain a wise perspective on life. And then it goes on to continue to say, in addition to being a wise man, then in verse 10, the preacher sought to find delightful words to write the words of truth correctly. So not only did he engage his wisdom to think through, discover, and gain a wise perspective on life, he articulated these things into written Form using verbiage that was enjoyable to read and it was a blessing to pass the truth on to a person who was reading. And God used, think about this. God used Solomon to write down things that are included in the copy of the Holy Scriptures that you hold in your hand today. That's amazing. The text goes on to really confirm and strengthen the importance of what Solomon had accomplished through the wisdom that God had given him. In verse 11, it says, the words of wise men are like goads. The masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. When a person has God's truth and applies it correctly to their life, the words they speak pierce the hearts of the people who hear them. Because their words reflecting God's truth. And when a person commits themselves to a life that is saturated with God's truth, and they have the word of God guiding their hearts, supplying their words, they're like masters of a collection of heart-piercing truths. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. And Solomon goes on to make one warning. He says, but beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless. An excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. So to put this simply in the context of our passage here today, God gives truth to be rightly applied to your life and searching beyond the truth that God has provided for you it leads to an endless pursuit, an excessive exhaustion of substandard information. The copy of the scriptures that you hold in your hand is sufficient for the truth that you need from God, that you might rightly apply it to your life, that you might be wise and gain wisdom. The scriptures are sufficient for the wisdom that you need in your life. God's truth is sufficient for the wisdom that we need. Now here we come to the conclusion of Solomon's wisdom. And the conclusion of Solomon's wisdom reveals three truths. And the first one is this, truth number one. It is wise to fear God. It is wise to fear God. In verse 13 it says, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God. 
Now, the last three weeks, we have sufficiently examined all the ways in which Solomon pursued all that is found in the material world. He titles it under his son. And so if you missed those, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those because it will explain his pursuit. But now we come to the end of his pursuit and the conclusion of what his wisdom comes to after he is done searching. And he concludes that the proper response for all of mankind is fear God. Now, it's wise to fear God. Let's observe what Solomon wrote about fearing God. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, fearing the Lord or respecting, honoring, holding in high esteem, being in reverent to the Lord, who he is, is, is where God's truth begins to be accessed. Yet foolish people do this. They turn away from the fear of the Lord and thus they turn away from God's truth, rejecting God and rejecting his truth. So we can clearly see here that the fear of the Lord is never meant to turn a person away from God and his truth. But the fear of the Lord is meant to put us in proper reverence to God and his truth. And Jesus said this about how we should properly have fear or reverence for God Almighty. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And I might say, that's something worthy to be afraid of, those who can kill the body. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that, they have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, don't be afraid of those who have no impact on your eternity. Rather, fear or have great reverence for the one who holds your eternity in his hands. Again, we can clearly see here that the fear of the Lord is never meant to turn a person away from God and his truth. But the fear of the Lord is meant to put us in proper reverence to God and his truth. Moses addresses how the fear of the Lord is meant to draw us closer to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. And you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and then pay attention and cling to him. When we fear the Lord, it's meant to bring us into close relationship with God, that we might cling to God, understanding how desperately we need him. And Moses says that the fear of the Lord should also bring us into submissive service to God, that we would listen to the word of God and we would obey God. And this brings us to the second truth that is revealed from the conclusion of Solomon's wisdom. Truth number two, it is wise to obey God. It is wise to obey God. In verse 13, it says the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which means by fearing the Lord, you can begin to access the truth of God. And once you have God's truth, you can begin to ask God to help you apply it rightly to your life, which would bring you to a place of making wise decisions or gaining wisdom. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied. And wisdom concludes that it's wise to fear God and it is wise to keep his commandments. Hold God in high esteem, having reverence, honor, and respect for God, worshiping God as creator and Lord of your life. This will lead you to a place of obedience to God. The fear of the Lord sets the stage in your heart for obedience to the Lord. Obedience to the Lord is a sign that we have set the Lord in a proper place of high honor and respect and reverence in our hearts. Obedience to God indicates that we are fearing God appropriately. Jesus said something very simple but very strong about obedience. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's pretty simple. Fear God and keep his commandments. Keeping the commandments of God is a sign that you love God. The fear of the Lord is never meant us to turn us away from the love of the Lord. Quite the opposite is true. The fear of the Lord is an invitation to experience the full love that God has for each of us, which helps us to understand the context for the third truth that Solomon's wisdom concludes as we look at Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. It is wise to live accountable unto God. Truth number three, it is wise to live accountable unto God. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Now, as we look at the conclusion of Solomon's wisdom together, it's clearly about the judgment of God. And I want to remind you of what Solomon said to God when Solomon originally asked God for wisdom. This is from the passage we read earlier. Solomon requests in 1 Kings 3.9, So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. And then he makes a very, very important statement. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Speaking to God. Some of you here today, you may be thinking that you are at a great disadvantage because you do not have the, the wisdom of Solomon in your life. And I want to show you the contrast between Solomon's conclusion before God gave him wisdom and Solomon's conclusion after God gave him wisdom. At the beginning of Solomon's reign as king, it was obvious to Solomon that he did not have what it took to appropriately sit over the nation of Israel as judge. And you may be thinking right now, you don't have what it takes to sit appropriately over the things and responsibilities that God has given you in your life. Solomon lacked wisdom, so he asked God to give him the wisdom that he needed. Before Solomon had gained the wisdom that he asked for, he had already concluded God is the ultimate judge of all. Now, in our text today in Ecclesiastes 12, we see the conclusion of Solomon's wisdom as it relates to judgment. What does he conclude? Fear God, 
Keep his commandments. Why? Because this applies to you. Everything, God will bring everything you have done under his judgment. Everything that's been hidden will be revealed by God, both good and evil. At the beginning of Solomon's reign as king, when he didn't have the wisdom of God yet, he knew that God was the only one who knew how to judge correctly. And at the end of Solomon's reign as king, even after he had gained all the wisdom that God poured into his life, he still ended up in the same place. After Solomon had gained wisdom, he concluded God is the ultimate judge of all. Before and after Solomon gained wisdom, his conclusion was the same. God is the ultimate judge of all. Wisdom is God's truth rightly applied, and the conclusion of wisdom reveals three truths. It is wise to fear God. It is wise to obey God. It is wise to live accountable unto God. Because the conclusion of wisdom reveals that I need salvation from the judgment of God. The conclusion of wisdom reveals that I need salvation from the judgment of God. Well, I have good news for you today. Because salvation from the judgment of God is available to you. You see, Jesus had something to say about the judgment of God. And Jesus, in John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, is recorded as saying this, For God did not send the Son, the Son being Jesus, into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him, through Jesus. And he who believes in Him, in Jesus, is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is our salvation from the judgment of God. The conclusion of wisdom is this. We need Jesus. To Jesus we shall turn to fear God. To Jesus we shall turn to obey God. To Jesus we shall turn to live accountable unto God. Jesus is our salvation from the judgment of God. The conclusion of wisdom is we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We will always need Jesus. And we need to be reminded and remember that we need Jesus. And this brings us to the Lord's table today, that we would remember Jesus. We would remember how much we need Jesus to be our salvation from the judgment of God. The Apostle Paul wrote this instruction regarding communion, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 34. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus gave his body for us that he might be our salvation from the judgment of God. 
It goes on to say, in the same way, he also took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus gave his blood that we might enter into a new covenant, that we might have salvation from the judgment of God. Goes on to say, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Goes on in verse 28, but a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And we've already, we've already concluded that we can't do that. Well, God's the only one who can judge correctly. He is our judge overall. And he says, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number asleep. You've got to remember he's writing to a specific group of people at the church in Corinth. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. And clearly we don't do that well. But when we are judged, we're disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brother, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you'll not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. Today, as we remember Jesus, communion is for believers only. If you are choosing not to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation from the judgment of God, please do not participate in communion. However, for those who are choosing to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation from the judgment of God, and maybe you need to right now, today is a great day to place your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, for the judgment of God, because you need that. And if you've been waiting for the right time that you might place your faith in Jesus Christ, it's the right time. So place your faith in Jesus Christ and trust in him that he might be your salvation from the judgment of God. We all need Jesus to be our salvation. And so, as those communion elements come to your hand, whether they're passed here or in the venue, you go forward and receive them on your own, you're going to take those elements and you're just going to hold on to them during this next song here and in the venue. Just hold on to those elements. And I would encourage you as you hold those elements that you would consider these things. Consider your fear of the Lord. Consider your keeping of His commandments. Consider your life accountable unto God. Consider Jesus, who is your salvation from the judgment of God. The communion team in the worship center, I invite you to come now and, and prepare to serve the elements at this time. Those in the venue, you will come forward. You will receive the elements on your own. But for all of us, we're going to hold on to them during this next song. We'll take them together here in the worship center. In the venue, you will take them all together there. Father God, Lord, we come before you and we remember Jesus. We remember the body 
we remember the blood. Lord, would this be a special, special time? And would you do a great work in our hearts as we remember Jesus during this time? We do it because we want to honor you. And so we remember. We remember. I pray this in the name of Jesus, our salvation from judgment and all God's family said. Amen.